0: Well, this morning we are actually in our fourth and uh, final week of our uh, digitally remastered series as we kind of look at the way uh, we're looking at relationships and how the fact that we are called as Christians to be in relationship with God and relationship with each other and yet our relationship with technology affects both our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So this is the fourth and final week of the series. And if I had told you uh, five weeks ago, before we started all oh, this series, you know, we're going to have a series on technology, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it affects our relationship with God and our relationship with others, I'm guessing that the topic that I'm going to talk about this morning is what you would have thought I was going to talk about the whole time and I've yet to talk about. The topic I'm going to bring up, if I had asked you, hey, what, are we going to, what do you need to talk about? You would say, oh, I know what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about this, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute. But before we do that, let me just review a little bit quickly the ground that we've covered in these first three weeks of the series that we talk about how we relate to technology following a real God in our digital world. The first week we said, you know, there are things in our lives that are influencing us. They're influencing the way we think. They're influencing the way we act. And sometimes we don't realize it. And they're influencing the way we behave and technology does that, that it is not an innocuous, it is not a just neutral thing in our lives. But there are everything from advertisers to designers to algorithms that are constantly grabbing for your attention and trying to get you to think in a certain way and by that also trying to get you at ways to act in a certain way. And so we just said that you need to be careful because things that are okay become not okay when they no longer need your okay. Things that no longer need your permission but still influence you, you need to be careful about. And so we said we need to be careful about that. The second week, we said that one of the things that digital technology does is it accelerates the proclivity we all have to distance ourselves from each other and even try and hide from God. That we all have this within us. Remember we talked about Adam and Eve did this right from the beginning. That once you realize you have guilt, once you realize you have shame, you try and hide from each other and you try and hide from God. It's not something the internet or social media created, but it just exploits it like throws gasoline on the fire. Like I don't have to be in relationship with you. I can just show you my Facebook self, my Insta self, my Pinterest self. You don't have to really know me and I don't have to really know you. And yet we said that if you are never fully known, you will never be fully loved. And so you have to come out of hiding. You have to take off the digital fig leaves and you have to show your true self to somebody and you also have to stop hiding from God and to say, God, this is who I am. I need, to, I need to receive your love and your repentance and your forgiveness and be honest with God. So come out of hiding and digital technology will encourage you to stay in hiding. And finally, last week, we said that one of the things digital technology does is it kind of shepherds us, it curates us into what we called filter bubbles. This idea that we're, we're in these bubbles in these places because it constantly, digital technology is constantly pushing us towards things we like and towards people who are like us constantly putting you into a circle of this is people that like the same things you like. Here's some things that people that read the same things you read and constantly pushing you towards it and pushing you into a bubble. And we start becoming and getting into these things where we're not around and don't associate with people who don't like us or aren't like us. And all of a sudden, we have made much more difficult one of the primary responsibilities of a Christian, which is to show and share the love of Jesus with people who are not like you, like to to be able to show and share the love of Jesus with people outside your circle. You need to burst your bubble. And so last week you said that you are most like God when you love those who are least like you. And so you need to be able to show and share the love of God with people who are not like you. But this week, we're getting to a topic that, like I said, if I had said to you, we're going to do a series on digital technology, and we're going to talk about how it affects us, you would say, Pastor, I know what you're going to talk about. I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to guilt me. You're going to talk to me. You're going to tell me I spend too much time on this thing. You're going to say, I waste so much time, and that's what you're going to hammer home for four weeks, and I have not said a word about it until now. But we're going to talk about time this morning. We're, we're not going to leave this series without talking about time. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to turn there in your chair rack Bible, it's page 978, Ephesians chapter 5 or thereabouts. Um, and we're going to be looking at, I'm going to pick it up in verse 15, talking about time. And here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus when it comes to time. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. In verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul didn't write that last week. He wrote it 2,000 years ago and yet it is so applicable for us Today, right where we are. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Live and walk wisely and not unwisely. Time is something we all have, but it's a tricky thing, right? Because we all, none of us know actually how much we have. We think we know, but we really don't. We can guess, we can hope. But we really don't. Dr. Tony Evans, pastor down in Dallas, Texas, I love the way he puts it. He says, we count, our, we count our days the wrong way. We say how old we are based on how far we've come since our birthday. He said, you really need to count from your death date. Because if, you're, if you end up not living past your 40s or your 50s, then 30s are old age. And you, and you have to get in much more earlier than. But we don't know our death date. We don't know how much time we have. See, the tricky thing about time is time is not a commodity. A commodity is something you can buy and sell and I can get more of, right? But I can't come to you and say, hey, can I buy some of your time? And you can't come to me and say, hey, can I buy some of your time? You can't get it. Time's not a commodity that you can purchase and gain more of. Time is a currency. Time is a currency that you spend and it's gone. It's like budgeting money, right? If you've been through the Financial Peace University and you've been through Dave Ramsey's study, he says, you know, give every dollar a name. But here's the thing, you only get to give each dollar one name. You only get to spend it once. That's like a basic rule of budgeting, right? You only get to spend it once. You can't take one dollar and put car on it and clothing on it. It only gets to get spent once. And it's the same thing with time. Same thing with time. You have a currency, and you get to spend it. But you just spent that second, and you just spent that minute, and you're going to spend this hour. And how will you and I spend it? How will we make the most of the time? How will we live wisely and not unwise lives? Because we all have, I think, a temptation to waste our time. Maybe some of you do what I just did yesterday. I picked up my phone, and I have all my notifications turned off because I'm in this series, and I'm challenging myself to do that. Actually, yesterday was the first day I actually shut my text messages off, notifications, so that there's no notifications on my phone. Nothing can kind of come through without my permission. So yesterday, I pick up my phone, not to look at a notification, but because I wanted to, I, I needed an answer to something. So I thought, well, I'm just going to pick it up. And I, I got to get my answer to this question. And I open it up and I open up my browser and there's the search bar. And I've got my thumbs ready to go. And just as I'm ready to type in what I need to know and find information on, I see a news story right below the search bar. Has ever happened to you? And I think it was a COVID story. I'm like, well, I need to. Let me see. And I just click on that. And my thumbs stop going and my finger points and I click on that. And then I'm reading that article. And, and then there's a video. So I click on the video. And I watch the video. And then there's a chart. So I got to see the coronavirus chart and map and see where things are. And a half hour later, I put the phone down and I have no idea what I picked it up for in the first place. Am I the only one that does that? Make the most of the time. Live as wise, not as unwise. And yet our time, our currency, clicking away, clicking away, clicking away. And do we take any notice of this? Do we take any stock of this? What does this mean? Paul says, live as wise, not as unwise. The wise person invests their time in things that are important. Paul goes on in this passage in verse 17 He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, Paul says. Here's what Paul's saying. Look, don't waste your time. And the biggest time waster in Paul's day was just to get drunk with wine. That's still a time waster in our day. But in Paul's day, it was like the biggest waster of time. Like it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, it's a waste of resources, it's a waste of your time with other people, like it's a total waste. And Paul says, don't do it. It's going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. It's not a good use of your time. It's living foolishly and not wisely. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch for us to say, okay, not just beyond getting drunk with wine, but how else do we mismanage our time? How else do we waste it in foolish?" And pointless ways, where we're not living as wise, but living as unwise. Most of us, sometimes we walk through life like I, like we are missing, and we are missing what's most important right in front of us. A lot of times, and you know what this looks like. I mean, it's cliche at this point. The parent that's staring down at the phone while the child in front of him is trying to talk to him, or the or a child that's missing the you know the beautiful place that you may be visiting because they're staring at the glowing rectangle that's right in front of them. I mean you know what this looks like. And we do it anyway. A couple of years ago I got the chance to go to Barcelona, Spain. And I had never been to Barcelona. I'd actually never even been to Europe. And I was there mostly for a conference, and for several days I basically sat in some some meetings and some presentations. But I thought, well, I'm going to spend at least one day, if I'm going here for the first time and I've never been there, I'm going to spend at least one day seeing the city and and getting to see that and see the sights. So I scheduled an extra day to be there. But before I had left, a friend of mine had told me about a Netflix series that he thought that I would like. And so before I left, I'm like, well, I got a long plane ride. I'm going to download, you know, episodes of this series, put them on my iPad. I'll watch them on the plane, kill some time. And he was right that I liked this series. It's like a murder mystery. And I started watching it on the plane. And then at night after the conference, I would watch it in my hotel room. And then when I got this day that I'm supposed to see the city, guess what I'm tempted to do? I'm tempted really to sit in my hotel room and watch my little glowing rectangle and catch up and see what's going to happen next in this episode and miss Barcelona. And I think I did watch one episode, but I did not spend the whole day doing that. Thank God some of you were like, oh, no, I hope you didn't do that. Some of you have been to Barcelona. It's a beautiful city. But we've all done that, haven't we? We were like, oh, no, I'm just going to sit and watch Netflix. I just want more. Oh, it's going to start it on its own. I don't even have to do anything. And our time and our currency is slipping away. And so how do we fix that? How do we live wisely? I'm just going to give you one tip today. I'm going to give you one principle, one point today on how to do that. And I think how we do that. It's a way that I think Paul lived his life. It's a way that Jesus lived his life. But it's also something that people who are not Jesus followers at all have discovered the way to make the most of the time. It's the way that people who don't even know Jesus, don't even follow God, have also discovered that this is the way that you make the most of the time that you have. Let me explain it by giving you an example of a guy who I don't think was a follower of God. As far as I know, though I don't know everyone's heart, but I don't know that Steve Jobs ever professed to be a Christ follower. I don't think he did. But in one, uh, in one conference or in one talk he gave, it was evident that he had found this principle in his life and discovered it and how to live and how to kind of make the most of an opportunity in the time. It was at the 1997 Worldwide Developers Conference, and Steve had just come back as the president or CEO of Apple. And he's just getting kind of back in that role after seven years. And he was in a Q&A time. And then this developer kind of in the audience stands up and asks Steve a question. And it's an abrasive kind of offensive question. In fact, Steve at one point picks up the stool that he was sitting on and kind of holds it out as a shield because the question was, was kind of so abrasive. And he's kind of basically says, Steve, you've just made it evident that you don't know what you're talking about. Because you're not, and what he's saying is, you're not embracing this, the latest and greatest technology, and you don't get it, and you don't see where this thing's going. And then there's like a minute or two of this awkward silence that kind of he just sits there for. And he stumbles around, and he starts to give an answer, but then eventually what he comes to is this. He said, here's what I've learned. One of the things I've always found is that you've got to start with the customer experience. And then work backwards to the technology. You can't start with the technology and try to figure out where you're going to sell it. And here's the, here's the reality you say, okay, well, that's fine for selling computers. How does, that, how does that relate to us, Pastor? Here's how it relates to us the wise person and the person who's making the most of the time has got to start first with what's most important in your life. And then work backwards from there in every aspect of your life. Wise people invest their time in that which matters most. You understand what matters most. You put that first in your life. You understand where you're going, what's the destination, and then work backwards from there. Then you start running everything else through that filter. For Steve Jobs, it was the customer. Let me start with the customer, and then everything works from there. Well, what's it for the Christian? Where is, it, where is it we're going? What is it for the Christ follower, the man of God, the woman of God? Where are we going? Well, first, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, once again. Just look at how this Paul starts this chapter. Here's how Paul starts this chapter. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's what Paul says. You know what your destination is? Your creation? To be like God. Your destination is to be all that God has created you to be, the man of God, the woman of God, that God has created you to be, to be like God and to love the the people who are around you like God loves them. That's where you're going. That's your destination. Now you back up and you run everything through the grid of, does this get me to my destination? Is this moving me towards where god wants me to go or is it a distraction that takes me off the path or is it something that even takes me in the complete opposite direction you know your destination many of us know our destination but the question is how do we follow the map to get there do we run all the stuff to the grid or do we just aimlessly pick up a new piece of technology Download a new app, add another thing to our life, and just say, oh, it's just this, we're just adding something. We're just, it's no big deal. It's just something that's going to be helpful. But there's a cost to all of it. It's like this. If you go grocery shopping, how many of you have been to the grocery store without your list, without going home first, without knowing what you're going to cook that week? A couple of you? Yeah, yeah, you do this, right? Once in a while. Like, once in a while, I'll be like, oh, you know what? We haven't gone grocery shopping this week. I'm driving by Market Basket on the way home. I'm just going to stop and do the grocery shopping. But I don't know what's at home. And so you know what it's like, right? So I'm in my, behind my shopping carriage, cart, if you're my wife. I don't know what it is for you, a buggy, a cart to carry, whatever it is. I'm behind that wheeled thing. And I start walking up and down the aisles. And I go, do we need eggs? I don't know if we need eggs. I think we might need eggs. I better get some eggs. Milk? I don't know. What should we have for dinner? Well, this is on sale. I'm going to grab that. Oh, that's on sale too. I'm going to grab that. I'm kind of hungry, and I'm going to grab that. And what do you end up doing? You end up spending more time, more money, wandering around the store, buying things you don't really need, Whereas if you started with your destination and you said, I am going to make chicken piccata with a lemon caper sauce. And I look in my fridge and I say, All right, I got the lemons and I got the capers. But I need to stop. I need to get the butter. I need to get the pasta. I need to get And that's what I need. And I go to the store and I get that. And I work backwards. And then I... Use my time wisely, and I use my resources wisely in order to get to where I'm going. Start with your destination and work backwards, and this is more than just get your priorities right, and this is more than just get the big rocks in first. This is not that. See, when you say get the big rocks in first, what you're thinking is this, well, if I just go to church once a week and tithe my money, I do whatever I want with the rest of my time and money. But when you say this is my destination and I work backwards and everything has to run through this filter, then I have to say everything with my time and my money and my resources and my talent, is it taking me to where God wants me to go? Cal Newport in his book, Digital Minimalism, he gives the example of the Amish. You know the Amish, you know, you're familiar with the Amish, right? Lancaster County. And some of us have been there. You know, you visited Lancaster County, you visited the Amish, and maybe you, like, go and you're like, you don't quite know what to make of them. Like, they're quaint, and there's something going on here. Like, are they stuck in the 19th century? Like, there's horses and buggies, and they're not in cars, and why are they doing this, and what are they doing? And some of us think, well, they just hate technology, and they disown technology, and that's just interesting for us to see. But that's not actually the case. There's actually some Amish that, that actually uh, utilize some pretty extensive technology in their life. What's actually the case is they're very careful about the technology they say yes to and allow into their community. So you might be aware that they, uh, many Amish will not own a car, but they will ride in a car. And you might think, well, that's hypocritical. But it's actually not when you understand and you dig a little deeper into their reasoning. Because their two main values are community and worship of God. And here's what they found out when they tested out how cars affect community. When people have their own cars, they go off by themselves. They leave the community on Saturdays when they have their day off work. And they're not visiting the sick. And they're not visiting their neighbors. And they're not loving one another. They go off individually by themselves, and they say, when we look at our destination, when we look at what we value, that doesn't get us to where we want to go, so we won't own cars. And so when you look at it that way, you may or I'm sure you don't agree, I'm not telling you to go sell your car, but the idea that we run everything through that grid of what we're trying to get to is the point. And we often fail to do that, especially when it comes to this. We just don't do it. Cal Newport says it this way. He says, the cumulative cost of the non-crucial things we clutter our lives with can far outweigh the small benefits each individual piece of clutter promises. Each little piece of clutter on your little app promises something. But does it deliver or does it just clutter you? So what do you do? I'll ask you to take out that little green sheet you have there in front of you and I'll ask our worship team to come back. How do you do it? (laughs) Well, three steps. There's two of them on here, on the front. Three steps. One is pray. God, help me to number my days. Psalm 90, 10, and 12. End in these words, this prayer. So teach us to number our days. That we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. First thing is pray. Lord, help me to understand that my life is currency, not a commodity. That my time is yours and it's a gift from you, and it's to be used for your glory. Lord, help me to understand that and see that. Nothing teaches us to number our days. We're not taught. We, You'll have more. You got plenty of time. Do it tomorrow. Lord, teach me a number of my days. Second is plan. If your relationship with God is the most important investment of your time, what rules should guide you on how you use technology? So one example of someone who's done this kind of intentionally is Andy Crouch from his book TechWise Family. And if you've never read TechWise Family, if you are a parent with young kids, get and read TechWise Family. That's my, that's, you just need to. Because it will help you, challenge you, and form how your family starts to deal with technology. I'm not going to go through all of these, but I think there are a couple that are really, you know, instrumental when you look at them. Number four, we wake up before our devices do, and they go to bed before we do. It's a good one, right? Um, and number two, that one before that, we want to create more than we consume. Number four, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, number eight, spouses have one another's passwords and parents have total access to children's devices. Number six, I like we use screens for purpose and we use them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. And this may not be your 10. You may have a different 10, but here's all I'm saying. You have an end. You have a destination. You have some place you are supposed to get to, man of God, woman of God. And so you need to work backwards and figure out if the things you have allowed and added into your life, into your home, are adding and getting you to that destination, or they're a distraction and taking you away in the other direction. And maybe you're sitting here and you say, well, I'm not a technology guy. No problem. You can use this on anything that comes into your life. Should I make that next purchase? Should we go on that trip? Should we do this? Should we do that? Whatever it is. What's your destination? Where are you trying to get to? And is this going to help you get there? Is this going to help you get there? And so the third step I would add that's not in here is review or examine. Examine your life. So you look back on the last week and examine it. Where in my last week? did I encourage someone in the body of Christ? Where in my last week did I lift up and encourage? Because that's one of the things we're supposed to be doing. Where in my last week did I worship and honor God? That's something we're supposed to be doing. Where in the last seven days did I bless someone who is not a part of the church? who is not a believer, who's not like me? Where did I show and share Jesus' love with someone who is outside my bubble and outside my circle? Because those three things are really, what we're mainly called to, love one another, worship God, share God's love with those who don't know it. If I'm gonna get to my destination where God wants me to be, if I'm gonna get there where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And these things need to be a part of my life, and I've only got so much time, and you've only got so much time. You know, I didn't. I'm just. It's just occurring to me now. I'm just reminded of it. Wendy and I moved in. We uh, moved into a new house in 2016, and God blessed us. And it's three miles from the church, and we used to be a lot further than that. And that part's been a huge blessing. But I remember the first day we moved into the house and we were thanking God for it, but we looked around at a yard that was so much bigger than our other yard, and a house that was so much bigger than our other house, and we said to each other, we just gave ourselves another part-time job. Because you don't think about that way sometimes. I just gave away currency. We just gave away currency. And all I'm saying is as Christians, We just need to ask ourselves, is this how we want to spend it? Is this how God would have us spend it? Not everyone's answer is going to be the same, but we need to reflect on it and think about that. Father, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for the days that you have given to us. But Lord, the reality is we're not promised tomorrow. What we know is we have today. What we know is, is we have this moment and this time. And to live wisely, Lord, we have to understand your will and then work backwards to our time. And then we pray that you will guide and lead us, that we may live wise lives, making the most of the time that we are given. Help us to do this as individuals. Help us to do this as families. And Lord, help us to do it as a church. That we may one day hear those words, that we have been good, we have been faithful at your servants. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's eleven forty-seven. The team's going to play another song, but I need to let you go, especially those of you that have kids down there that are being cared for. You can grab those. So thank you for being here. Don't forget Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, online. Let our website be a part of that. Thanksgiving Day Zoom eight o'clock. Jump on that. We'd love to see you. I'll be on there the morning. I'll be looking for you and hope to see your face. Now go and live lives making the most of the time you've been given and live wisely, not foolishly for the Lord. God bless you as you go.